So, if you are visiting today, you have come to one of the best Sundays we have, because we are in the middle of a series called Core Practices, and today we are on our ninth practice out of ten, so we're going to wrap up next week with our core practices, and today is on stewardship and giving our resources. So, you have the great privilege of being here on the Sunday that we talk about money, which is the day that none of us want to be here and none of us want to really talk about. Uh, This is a, a challenging topic for us. It's one that a lot of preachers try to avoid because we don't want to talk too much about money, right? Story. Many years ago, a man was building a house out in rural New England. He needed water for his new home, so he hired an expert to dig a well for him. The old well digger scouted the property, found the perfect place to be able to dig this well. He packed up his, uh, he he dug the well, found an underground river, and and got the well installed. He packed up his gear and started heading out, and he gave this final advice. Every day, you must pump some water from the well. If you don't, you'll be sorry. So the homeowner thanked the man and followed the well digger's advice. Every day, he'd go out and pump some water from the well. As time went on, the homeowner uh, began taking the water for granted. He went on a trip and forgot to have someone pump water from the well every day while he was gone. And so when he returned, the water at the bottom of the well was stagnant and almost gone. He tried pumping the fresh water, but nothing came out. He went to town and told the old well digger his well had dried up, and the man asked, did you remember to pump from the well every single day? And the homeowner confessed that he had neglected to pump the water as instructed. And so the digger replied with this, the water in the well comes from an underground river that feeds the small tributaries of water which are connected to your well. Water must continue to flow through that. If you quit pumping the water through there, the ground will dry up and the underground river can't find its way to your well, and this cuts off the water supply. And so he he concluded, remember, the source of the water is the river and not the well. And so the same is true with our finances, right? That, That the source of our security, the source of of our status, the source of our finances really is not in the well itself, but it comes from another source. And so today we're going to be talking about our resources, specifically our financial resources, and talk about the source of those resources. Because if we get focused in on what we think is the source, like the well, and we don't attend to those things, then the well dries up and we lose what we've had. When you look at the whole of Scripture, our financial situation shows up quite a bit. Jesus has 38 parables, and of those parables, 16 are dealing with how to handle our possessions. And so it was something that was important to Jesus. There are 288 verses in the gospel. One out of every 10 refer to money. I'm sorry, 288 verses in the gospels refer to money, which is one out of ten. And so over 2,000 Bible verses are talking about our personal resources. Now compare that to prayer, which only has 500 verses. 
And so we will preach an entire series on prayer, but we will try to get to one Sunday a year reluctantly on financial resources. But Scripture tells us something quite different because I think God knew for us how difficult money would be. And so he talked about this not because he thought money was important, but he knew the heart of the matter, and he knew what would capture us, what would hold us. And so the last couple of weeks, we've been stepping on a lot of toes, right? How many of you have felt your toes stepped on a little bit as we're we're talking about using our time and, and using our talents, um, I was talking to, to someone earlier this week, and, and they were reflecting on the toe-stomping that we have been having, and, and he said it this way, knowing what we were going to talk about today, he said it was going to be interesting to see the effect of stepping on wallets, because wallets have a lot more nerve endings than toes. And I think that's very true for us as we think about talking about our financial resources. This is not something that we really want to be real honest about. It's not something that we want to, to talk about. It's, it's one of those topics that, that are off, um, that, that, are, that you just don't touch, right? You don't really talk about your salary. You don't talk about your income, and you certainly don't talk about your giving. It's something that is very private, But how we handle our money and how we handle our financial resources really indicate a lot about what's going on in our lives. That how our money is managed can show a lot about what's going on. Do we save? Do we spend? Do we give? How do we go about earning money? What career choices do we make? What do we pursue in an effort to earn more? And so the use of money really becomes a spiritual situation for us because it impacts so many different discussions that we have in our lives. It impacts marriage discussions about who we're going to marry and how we're going to marry and and when we're going to marry and and what that relationship looks like. It, It affects our parenting decisions. How much do you spend at Christmas time? How much do you not spend at Christmas time? Uh, what activities do you get involved in? How much do you pay for such and such? How we parent is very connected to how we view our financial resources. It impacts our career decisions. Uh, will we work or not work? Will we work a certain kind of job? Will we work certain kind of hours? What kind of job will we take? What kind of job will we not take? It affects our relationships. How much time am I going to spend in friendships with one another? How much time am I going to spend investing in those relationships, or will I spend more time in my career? And so all of these discussions really have spiritual impacts. They they really can impact the way we think about our own relationship with God. If we will really look at our physical resources, it's going to force us to deal with things that are going on in our heart that we are really trying to avoid. If we we really confront how our physical resources are being used, that is going to deal with a lot of things that are going on in our heart. Now, this is an especially challenging topic to preach on. It's one that is not comfortable to preach on. And one of the things that makes it difficult is the diversity in the room. As I was preparing for today, I was thinking of, we have people in here that are, by worldly standards, very, very poor. 
And we have people in this room that are very, very rich and everything in between. It's, it's such an incredible uh, diversity to be able to talk to. Um, and then I had not even taken into account that we were going to have so many visitors, which makes it even more awkward. <laughs> and so, but we, we, we look at this diversity, and, and I want you to listen carefully in the same way over the last couple weeks. Listen to what I am saying. Do not hear what I am not saying. There are things that I am not saying. And give me a little bit of grace in the language that I use especially after the morning I've had, and I'm a little frazzled still. Um, but most importantly, listen to God, because this is about you and him and the relationship that you have with him and the things that he is calling you to. And each and every one of us are in a unique place in our relationship with him. We're in a unique season of life. We're not all the same. And there's not some hard and fast rule that we can legalistically apply to all of us. So listen to what God is saying to you. And be obedient to the things that he's calling you into. One of the difficulties that we find is in prior prioritizing the things in our life. And one of the things that I feel like... Um, we really challenges us in prioritizing things like resources, and we talked about our time and, and talents over the last couple of weeks, but I think a lot of us feel like we don't have control over our priorities. We think that our boss sets our priorities, or we think that our kids set our priorities, or our responsibilities at school, or the activities that we're in, or the sports leagues that we have. These are the things that set our priorities for us like we're the victims of our calendars. And we act as if our, our, our priorities are already set for us and we're just struggling through trying to fill the obligations that we have and the priorities that have been laid out for us. But this really undermines what we believe or what we should believe to be true about God. As, as the homeowner with the dry well was looking at the well as a source of water instead of looking at the river, we, need to, we, we oftentimes look at our circumstances as the source of our priorities instead of looking at God as the source of our priorities, as the source of everything that we have. Earlier this year, we talked about stewardship as one of our core beliefs, and, and that belief is this here. Um, I believe, we've got it up on the screen. Oh yeah, that screen doesn't work. I'm like, come on. <laughs> I believe everything I am and everything I own belong to God. Now, we talked about that. It's one of these beliefs that if you really believe it, it will significantly impact the decisions that you make about your financial resources. Do you really believe that everything that we have and everything that we own is not actually ours, but it is God's? If God owns our lives, then our first priority should be to ask God to help us set our priorities. When it comes to our finances, the world tells us to do everything that you have to do first, and then whatever's left over, you can give back to God and for God's purposes. 
But God's way is actually quite the opposite. And this is, this is the reality of what we see in Scripture, that he says to, to give first, and then everything else will fall into place. And not only will everything else fall into place, but then in some mysterious way, in God's economy, those offerings will actually be multiplied. That the blessings that we receive will outweigh any of the sacrifices that we have made. And so for every payday that I have, the first thing that is paid out of the account is our our 10% given to the church. That's the first thing. Everything else falls into place after that. If there's not money left over for that thing that I want, if there's not money left over for that activity or that that, uh, special thing, then the money's not there because the money was given first to God and everything else should be enough. Now, I want us to watch this video clip. It's just kind of a humorous way for us to think about this idea of everything being God's. What is this? Donuts. Okay. Go ahead. I can have them. You can have them all. These are for me? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Why? I don't know. You just, you look hungry. That is a good donut. Alright, well I gotta hit the road. You mind if I you mind if I just take one for the road? Just just one. Well I am really hungry and I missed breakfast this morning. I'm probably gonna miss lunch. And I was gonna take these home to my wife and kids. Really, to be honest, they gotta last me a whole week. So a bit ridiculous, right? This idea that we have these donuts that are given to us and suddenly we think they're all ours. And we're the ones who can control how they're used and how they're distributed and what they're saved for and what they're spent on. But the reality is if we believe that God gives us everything and everything that we are and everything that we own is his, then the entire box of donuts was his to start with. So if everything that we have and everything that we are is his. The whole box of donuts is his to start with. And so we have to look at this in an entirely different way. And, and the reality is that all of this becomes for us not a matter of legalistic, you have to give 10% or you have to give a certain amount. What really is at play here is something that is more about a heart issue. That for us, giving is a heart matter. That it's, it is something that is out of the overflow of our hearts. It is not guilt. It's not some percentage number. It's not arm twisting. It's not shame. It's not my sermon. It's not any of those things that dictate to you how you give and what you give. It's something that comes from the heart. 
then that's what makes preaching about this so difficult. Because if you have a heart of giving, you're already doing it. And if you don't have a heart of giving, you're not giving. And so we have to look at ourselves and look at our hearts and say, okay, what, what is going on in my heart? And how is my giving reflected in that? Are we being the stingy miser who wants to hold on to everything, or are we being the generous giver? Proverbs 23 says it this way, Do not eat the food of a begrudging host. Do not crave his delicacies, for he is the kind of person who is always thinking about the cost. Eat and drink, he says to you, but his heart is not with you. His heart isn't there. He says, yes, go ahead and eat and drink. Help yourself to the refrigerator. Take whatever you want. But if you take anything, I'm going to hold it against you. Like, what kind of host is that? You will vomit up, up the little you have eaten, and you will have wasted your compliments. So it, it, it will actually make you nauseous to think about taking from such a person. Because this person said, yes, take and eat. And then they start keeping track of what you've taken and eaten and start holding it against you. It's something that comes from a heart. Is it the, the heart of a, a miser or is it the heart of somebody that's generous? One translation of this talks about as a man thinks in his heart. As, as, as someone thinks in our, their heart, that's what they become. And so what you embrace in your heart will really determine the type of person that you are, the, the type of, of giving that you will have. What you believe in your heart will overflow into this. Jesus talks about it in Matthew chapter 6. He says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasure in heaven, where moths and moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. There's this connection between treasure and heart. And that if you really hold something in your heart, you'll be able to see that in the treasure that you have. And the treasure that you have will indicate where your heart is. And so I say, show me how you spend your money, and I will tell you what you really believe about God. Now, don't worry, there's not a form to fill out for that, like we did last week. But think about it. Where your money is, there your heart is. Okay, so there are kind of two types of people, right? Everybody can be divided up into two types of people because we can generalize that way. So there are, <laughs> there are savers and there are spenders. And you are probably married to one or the other, right? Yeah, yeah. You're not supposed to say that out loud. All right. All right. But you're not saying which one, right? So saving is not bad. Spending is not bad. Neither one of those are really bad. It's the extremes of each of those that become bad, right? So if all we do is save, then we are a miser, okay? We're a, we just 
hoard it all, and we don't want to give to anybody. And what's really going on there is this need for security. So the saver is one who just saves and saves and saves because they need this sense of security. Now, the spender on the other extreme becomes the materialist because they both have to start with M. So materialist. These are the ones who just spend and spend and spend. They want to accumulate stuff, right? And these are people who are wrapped up in the need for status. Status. Okay, so we've got these, these two opposing spots here. We've got the need for security. We've got the need for status. We've got the ones who just save and save and save, the ones who spend and spend and spend. Neither one in and of themselves are bad, but the extremes are not places that we want to be. But because it is on this horizontal thing here, it is all about me. Either one of them. I can be someone who just saves everything, a complete miser, but it's all about me and my security. Or I can be a spender and just spend everything that I have, but it's still all about me because it's about my status. And so we look at these, and we need to be thinking not horizontally, but we need to reorient this entire thing to be thinking vertically about our relationship with God. that it is not defined about me, it is defined by God. And so we have this heart issue that's going on here, and inside of our heart, it can either be a desire for God and for God's purposes, or it can be about money, whether it's security or status, whether it's saving or spending. But is it a God purpose in your heart or is it a me purpose in your heart? Because that will then orient how you think about your resources. And so Jesus continues in Matthew chapter 6 saying, No one can serve two masters. Either one will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So we've got God or we've got money as two different options in our heart. You can have one or the other. Which one are you going to choose? Because you can't have both in there. And so if it is this sense of security and status as it relates to money, then that is where your heart is. Because Jesus says you cannot have two masters. Either you will be mastered by God in your heart or you will be mastered by your money. But it won't be both. And so who is the master of our hearts? Whatever you believe in your heart will show how you use your resources. And so this becomes a spiritual struggle. This is not a struggle on how to balance a checkbook. This is not a struggle on how to, to use the, the latest online app to be able to manage your money. This is not a struggle of income. This is not a struggle of debt. This is not a struggle of income or of, of any other kind of financial resource. This is a struggle of the heart. And who is at the center of your heart? Because once that is set, then everything will fall into place. So we've got to think about the, the, the money that we have, the resources that we have, and think about God's purposes. 
Now, many of us are in a financial place where we're comfortable. Things are good. And so we need to be thinking about how do we use our money in a way that honors God? How do we use our resources in, for his purposes? I want us to watch this next video clip, um, and it gives a story of a couple who is very comfortable, very affluent, uh, dual-income kind of family, and this family has to think about what are the priorities that we're going to have as a family for our financial resources. So let's watch this together. My wife and I met in college, and she's an actuary. So she sets the rates that agents charge for insurance. I'm a CPA by trade. I started in public accounting and now have been at Sears uh, Holdings Corporation for 13 years. So we both have been blessed to be in careers where we're able to make a good living and we've been able to take some really amazing steps in our journey as a result. Our pastor talked about an individual who had a gift for uh, generating a lot of income and he had capped himself at a certain point and as additional funds came in he just gave them away. When he gave to the church he gave so generously that a lot of his friends and family told him that he was crazy and so he asked Bill to just remind him every now and then that he wasn't crazy for giving to the level that he gives. That was something that my wife and I really resonated with so we just began our journey of really looking at our resources as something that truly wasn't ours and, and how could we manage them well and be able to give more of them. We're trying to figure things out, what, what it was going to look like for us. So we decided that we wanted to live simply to cap what we were spending each month and to be able to give freely beyond that whenever a need arose. So we have managed our finances in a way that we could pay off our house, we can pay off our cars. We cut cable, we cut our home phone line, we've just simplified things. A lot of people ask us, why don't you get your new car, why don't you get a bigger house? And, and it's created some great conversations that we can say, you know, we, we don't need bigger, we don't need newer, we can uh, live simply off of what we have and it gives us the ability to give and more freely and to things that God's put on our heart. So every time another dollar comes in beyond what we were already living off of, we have the freedom to use it to help other people. So when someone needs help, we want people to know that they can come to us and we have the ability to help them. And instances have arisen where where friends have, or family have needed help with medical bills and we've been able to help them. Yeah, obviously in this culture, it, they, our kids are bombarded with all kinds of messages of they need this, they need that. And it's hard because we don't really want to feed into that. We want them to see that they can live differently. One thing that we decided to do this year was to give them $100 to give away. We wanted to see where their heart was, where their passion lied. When we've been out at restaurants, the kids have picked families in the restaurant where we would pick up the tab for the lunch. and. They used their $100 that we gave them to be able to give away. We want our kids to see the difference that they can make with their little lives. Definitely by setting a cap and having these resources that we can give, it not only does it free us up to 
listen to God's whisper and to be able to respond more easily. But um, there's been so many uh, amazing instances that had we not made the decision to become debt-free and, and give freely, we would have missed out on So here's a family who decided that they had way more than enough for their family. And they decided to completely reorient their life for God's purposes and were able to, to impact lives around them because they were willing to ask God, what do you want to do through me? How can we reorient everything that we have that's already owned by you in a way that glorifies God? Now, this is a family that's in a unique situation, but I think for each of us, we need to be, be looking at what it is that God wants us to be doing and be faithful to that. 2 Corinthians gives us another example of this. Paul is writing to a group of people, uh, the, the, this group of believers in Corinth, and, and he's talking to them about the believers in Jerusalem that are really struggling, that are facing persecution, and, and they're going to the churches and they're taking up offerings on behalf of the Jerusalem church. And to inspire them, he tells this story of another group of churches, the Macedonian churches, starting in chapter 8 of 2 Corinthians. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first to all the, all the Lord and then by the will of God also to us. And so we see here this, this group of believers who, who did several things here. First of all, it was all to the Lord. It was their relationship with God that was of first importance. The very first thing in their hearts was about God. And then it was out of that that they began to look at their resources. It began to dictate the decisions that they would make. And so they themselves were experiencing trial. This wasn't just a fat and happy group of people who had everything working out well for them. It's not the ones who had their budget all ready and had all their finances set in order. The Macedonian church, they were struggling as well. And in the midst of their struggling, they still chose to give to the needs of the body. But not only did they give willingly, they gave even more. They gave beyond their ability. So they were struggling as well, but they gave anyway. I hear from people at times this statement that they, they say, this is not a good season for us to give. It's not a good season for us. Things are not right for us. And I would say, is that the attitude that the Macedonians had? The debt's too high. The job's not good enough. Finances are out of order. They say even in the midst of that, they continue to be faithful to what God was calling them to do. I also know those of you who have gone through unemployment, and even in the midst of that employment, faithfully gave beyond that. 
I know those of you who have, have had drops in income going from full-time to part-time and still have upped your giving year after year. There are those of you who gave to your ability and then gave more. They also saw it as a privilege to give. And then finally, we see that it exceeded the expectations. Like, like we would expect this group of people to give this amount, but what they were able to give and beyond what they were able to give, was it, it, it exceeded those expectations. Paul was amazed at the amount that they were able to give. And so then he turns his attention to the Corinthians. He's talked about the Macedonians and then tells the Corinthians this. So we urge Titus, just as we ha he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion the act of grace on your part. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in love, we have, uh, we have kindled in you. See that you also excel in this grace of giving. So he's calling the church to excel in the grace of giving that this is something to aspire to. And he's telling them, be like the Macedonians, these ones who gave so generously. He says, I'm not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of your Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich." Paul is saying there is no law that we're dictating to you. There's no command that we're placing on you for giving, but we are using this church as an example of what it looks like to be generous. The grace of Jesus is overwhelming. That it's that example that we have that sets the baseline for our giving. And so as we look at these core practices, our core practice for today is this. I give my resources to fulfill God's purposes. I give my resources to fulfill God's purposes. Is this something that you can confidently say as something that reflects in your own life? That I am giving my resources to fulfill God's purposes. If you're a miser, if you're a saver, if you're wrapped up in your own sense of security— or are you a, a materialist, a spender, a, a someone who's wrapped up in status? If you're either one of those, you're not going to be a giver because you're looking at yourself to hold your security and your status. But what we believe about God and what we believe about our own identity is that our security and our status comes from a different source. That our security and our status comes from God, and God is at the center of our hearts, and that dictates everything for us. I can confidently say that I am secure, and I have a high, high status as a son of God because of what God has done in my life. And everything else follows underneath that. That's what we strive for as we seek to exercise this practice of using our resources to fulfill God's purpose. So what I want us to do is I'd like for those of you who are, are, are doing uh, communion right now, I want you to go ahead and go to the back, and in all the chaos, I did not give you the instructions for this, so you're just going to figure it out as you go, which you can do. 
Right, Joe? So you're going to go get the offering trays first. And we're not going to do communion. We're going to do the offering first. So for those of you who are passing trays, if you can go ahead and go back, uh, get the offering trays. And we're going to spend our prayer time uh, doing the offering uh, because this is an opportunity for us to worship. So, so if this is a matter of the heart and this is an overflow of what God has done for us, then our weekly giving becomes worship. It's not an obligation. It's not something that we do out of duty. It is something that we do because God has done so much for us. And so we're going to take the offering now. This is an opportunity for us to give. It's an opportunity for us to, to celebrate everything that God has given to us. For those of you that are visiting, for those of you that have filled out communication cards, you can also put those communication cards uh, in the offering trays just as a practical way to collect those. Uh, but this is a chance for us to give. Look into your hearts. Look and see what God is calling you to do. And be faithful and obedient to what he is doing in your life. Let's pray together. God, we thank you so much for all that you've done for us and all that you are. We thank you for, for loving us and caring for us and for sending us the entire box of donuts. And so, God, I pray that we will use what you have given us in ways that honor you, that our, our resources will be used in ways that just glorify you, that make your name known, that impact this world. And God, for the things that are given in sacrifice, I pray that you will multiply those things and that these, things, uh, that, that, that these gifts will, will go beyond what we can even imagine, that, that the giving of this congregation will exceed our expectations. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.